This the remix. I see the talent in the clubhouse and, and, and I get excited because you know when I talk to the guys with the right information and the right work that we can put in as a team, I think we can get so much better than what the stats looked like last year. Started off with Tyler Bischoff from ESPN Radio. I'm super excited to, to join uh, the Twins family. Um, you know, I'm here and uh, when we talked on the Zoom call, we only talked about winning and that's what we want to build here. We want to build a championship culture. Uh, we want to move forward and uh, you know, win divisions, win championships, and uh, that's my goal here. Uh, make everybody around us better and just move forward with championship mentality. Bishy, Bishy. I know what it takes to build um, a championship culture within the clubhouse. It starts within the clubhouse and all the way up to the front office. So I see that here with the talent that we have, and I see that we can get so much better in order for us to accomplish that goal to ultimately win a championship. On defense. Just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Tyler, you there? What the hell was that? Well, it's Carlos Correa and his what, new team. What? What the hell? We're not talking about Carlos Correa. What the hell was that? Beautiful. It was just, uh, you know, I just wanted to play something specifically for you. Well, and he's not going to have to worry about a championship culture next year when he was with the Dodgers because they have a championship culture. So he's going to go in there and say, I don't have to do anything except play shortstop. Yeah, COVID championship doesn't really count. Okay, okay. Do, do it in a full season, you know. It's right. easy. Anybody can do it when you only have to play sixty games. But you know, try doing it when there's a full season. Then we'll then we'll be impressed. Jeez. Go, All right. Pass it up, Minnesota Twin. Oh my God! What the hell? This is ridiculous. I don't even want to do the rest of the show. I'm just going <laughs> to shut my mic off and go go to bed. All right. Um, first off, some football news. Since we're talking about football here, the Raiders they brought in a quarterback. Trevor Simeon yeah. is visiting yes. the Raiders. Disrespectful. What an, ex- <laughs> what an exciting backup quarterback. You're not excited about Trevor Simeon, Jared? Nathan Peterman has been working his butt off for like five years with this team to get the opportunity to be the third string quarterback. And they just, they just like, they're going to bring in some seventh round pick from Northwestern. I mean, I think Trevor Simeon is better than Nathan Peterman. Oh, he and assuredly I, is. That's not really much of a hot He's day. played in seven games in four years. Yep. yep. And, he's thrown less inter- and he's thrown less interceptions than Nathan Peterman did in one half yes. of football yes. in those seven games. Um, basically, Simeon got, what, two seasons where he started a good chunk Denver, of games yeah. for Denver? And then last year, he was the sometime starter for New Orleans right. after Jameis got hurt. Um I don't, I don't have any hot takes on Trevor Simeon. It's not really a quarterback that's going to push Derek Carr, but I don't think they're looking for a quarterback to push no. Derek Carr. It's just a guy that, oh, God. I mean, it, it's a backup quarterback to where if Derek Carr gets hurt, the Raiders are screwed. Like, that's – that's which is the majority of backup quarterbacks yeah. in the league. There's a there's a few every year that's like, oh, if the backup comes in. Like, the last couple of years, the Raiders probably would have been fine if Marcus Mariota had to actually play. I was going to say in Atlanta, if someone overtakes him, he'll be fine as the backup. Yeah. But there's not so, many guys like that. Right. So it's it's a backup quarterback that if Trevor Simeon has to play for more than like one random snap because Derek Carr's helmet came off, uh, the Raiders trouble. are probably screwed. Uh, but that's the majority of any, anybody they would have signed would have been this way. So Jared's right. The Nathan Peterman got screwed here. They should have signed him anyways. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know what the difference is. Jared would have been happy. Nathan wouldn't have had to Jared, move. Jared would have been happy. Nathan wouldn't have had to move, and they would have had the same guy that they're going to have now. I thought uh, they did sign a – they brought in a quarterback last week. Are they, how many are they bringing in of these guys? 
Uh, that was what Garrett Gilbert last yeah. week or something like a practice squad, usually a practice squad guy. I, I imagine if they sign Simeon, Simeon's the backup and yes. they'll have yeah. one other guy to be there for camp and Garrett crazy. Gilbert. I mean, Somebody's got to play in that Hall of Fame game in, in like May, whenever their stupid first preseason game of the year is. So Listed it'll second be, on the depth chart, Garrett yeah, Gilbert. It'll be Garrett Gilbert taking 45 snaps against or in the pro, uh, Hall of Fame game. So Trevor Simeon, he's a Raider, moving the needle. Now, here's a question for you. Are you surprised the Chiefs did not fall further in terms of their odds to win the AFC West? Because as of right now, they're plus 150. Chargers are 240, Broncos are 280, and the Raiders are 600. I'm a little more surprised the Raiders are 600 comparative to the Chiefs <laughs> being 150. With Mahomes, there's just this there's just this feeling with the offensive line and Mahomes, and uh, I know there's no Tyree Hill now, but there's I think it's just it's the assumption of beat him or shut up. Like, you know, like prove you can beat him, prove you can win the division, or everyone be quiet. So that's kind of on the Chargers, Broncos, and Raiders. Um, but for the Broncos to be plus 280 and the Raiders to be plus 600, I uh, that's a little surprising to me given what some of the things the Raiders have done. I'm not saying they shouldn't be fourth. I think they should be fourth. I just think the odds are a little skewed there. I think I, I think you're 100% right. No problem with the Chiefs still being favorites. And they're even, they're not even really that big of favorites. They're 150 and the Chargers are 240. Like It's a decent gap, but it's not like a massive uh, difference. But I am, I am surprised that the Raiders are that much lower than the Broncos. And honestly, the Chargers, too. I mean, I think a lot of that, though, that, that's simply quarterbacks, right? Like that, that, like that list is sort of a list of who's got the best quarterback in the division: Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos, Raiders. Right? Like that's what we're doing. That's here. what the ranking should be. So I, I almost feel like that's based off quarterback. That the Chiefs are number one because Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in this division. The Chargers are number two because Herbert was really good last year and is projected to be a top five quarterback in the league this year. The Broncos are number three because Russell Wilson has in his past been a top five quarterback, and if he's healthy has a shot to do that again. And then the Raiders have the only guy that doesn't really have a upside of being a top five quarterback. Right. That's what it looks like to me, but I, they shouldn't, I don't know. They shouldn't be plus 600 compared no, to, plus compared to 280 and 240. Yeah. I just, that no. seems like too, too big of a difference between the Broncos and the Raiders. When I think ultimately those are the two teams that one of them's missing the playoffs. Maybe both of them end up missing the playoffs, but I, I think those are the two teams that are, really fighting for a playoff spot whereas i think the chiefs and Chargers are probably going to make it this year i don't know it just it seems like no, it seems like it's number. too much now the, the, the one area the one area where the broncos do have a pretty big edge on the raiders is the schedule um eric eager of pro football focus he tweeted out he hasn't apparently finished his scheduling model for 2022 but just looking preliminary at it he tweeted out that these were the toughest schedules so far chiefs raiders Rams, Bengals, Dolphins. So the Raiders are going to have potentially one of the five hardest schedules in football this season. A lot of that's because the division got a lot better, right? The Broncos aren't terrible anymore, but also because they finished second, which means they play other second place teams as opposed to finishing third or fourth, where you get to play other third or fourth place teams. So obviously they got six games against the AFC West. Here are the home games for the Raiders this year. Houston, Indy, Arizona, San Francisco, New England. Oof. And the road games are Jacksonville, the Rams, Tennessee, Seattle, New Orleans, and Pittsburgh. If we just look at those home games first, there's a chance they lose all but one of those, right? To Houston. 
I assume they beat Houston at home, but like they'll, they'll they won't lose all of these. They'll win some of them, but Indy, Arizona, San Francisco, New England. Yeah. I mean, that's that's four teams that are that are expecting to be playoff teams all coming to Vegas. Like that's those are four losable games. So like if they go two and two in those games and they're only three and two outside of the division at home, that's not very good because then they turn around and go on the road. Jacksonville, that's a potential uh, should be a win. Same with Seattle, but the Rams, the Titans, even the Saints and the Steelers aren't going to be so bad. Well, and one of those is going to be in London. That's a good point. That's a good point. One of those is going to be in London. It's just it. It's very easy to see the Raiders as a 500 team because it's easy to see them going 500 or worse in the AFC West. It's easy to see them going three and two in their home games, and it's easy to see them going you know three and three in the non-home games or non-divisional road games slash London. Like it's very easy to see this team at eight and nine or nine and eight because the schedule's difficult. And I, I mean, what are the easy games? Houston, Jacksonville, and Seattle. Like they they only have like three teams on the schedule that you look at and say, oh yeah, that's a that's a win. The rest of them are like all toss-ups. Yeah, you wonder about Pittsburgh. We see Pittsburgh's on the road. Right, yeah, which is, you know, you go, if you have yeah. to go to Pittsburgh, yeah. and it's a, t- where if, you, if you're on a neutral field or whatever, you might be a two or three point favorite over Pittsburgh, but you go on the road to Pittsburgh, and now it's a pick em or even you're an underdog by a couple of points. Like, What if it's, it's cold? A, right, and like, that's the, that'll be the same thing with like New Orleans, if that's the one in London or whatever it mm-hmm. is, like, that's going to be the same situation for a lot of these games. They're going to have a lot of sort of toss-ups, and unless they're really good in one-score games, which, to be fair, they they were last year. Like, that's something they did last year. If they do that again, they're in the playoffs. If they go 500 in toss-up games like most teams they're do, not. they're probably an 8-9, and 9-8 team, and they're, they're not in the playoffs. And and the, the other funny part of that is 8-9, 9-8 might be last in the AFC West. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which will be brutal. Like... That's probably that might be the worst part of this is is Raiders go nine and eight, miss the playoffs, finish last in the AFC West, but are still going to end up picking like 14th in the draft yeah. because they went nine and yeah. eight. I think of the home games, Houston, but then I've got to be honest, Andy, Arizona, San Francisco, New England, the next winnable game, I think might be the Patriots. I agree. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think of those four, that's the that's the most likely win. Um, well, what, oh, who's quarterback think, for San Francisco? That, that's a good question. But also, do, do we think there's some sort of Belichick won't lose to his former yeah, coach? Yeah, there could be. Like, there might be some they sort of They both know like, each other well, yeah. Belichick knows exactly what's going to happen there. So, Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe yeah. Daniels has some dirt he never told Belichick. Like, hey, we suck at this. Or we're giving away everything <laughs> when we do this. And he's like, I'm going to I'm gonna keep that. Yeah, because I'm going to get a job one day. Yeah. So, I, but like... Here's the thing. They're not going to lose all of those home games. But again, Indy, Arizona, San Francisco, New England, they're, they're not going to win all of no. those either. They're not going 4-0 in those games because that's four playoff contenders that they're not going to be able to beat all four. So it's may, that might be a bigger deal than anything else as far as trying to predict the Raiders and where they finish because their schedule is going to be so difficult. But at the same time, you go back to that list of teams with difficult schedules, the Chiefs are on it. Like the Chiefs have a tough schedule too. And that might be, maybe that's enough to bring them back to the pack. Maybe that's enough to make this a division where nine and eight's the last place team and 11 wins is the yeah. winner. Like that might, that's that might, probably, that could, that, that's a good point. They're, you know, just beating up on each other. We've seen that yeah. in other sports. I mean, that that's, there's a chance that happens. I mean, there's a legitimate chance the AFC West kind of screws itself out of having a legitimate Super Bowl contender because 
the division winner has 11 wins and that's the number four seed in the AFC or something like that. And now they get one home game and then everything else is on the road. So it's a, it's a fun division. I'm excited. Raiders schedules tough. The division's going to be really good. Like it's every game they play outside of maybe a couple should be a, we should go into it with a, Oh, these are two playoff teams. This has got a chance to be two playoff teams here. And that's, that'll be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to that actually happening now. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Reese. But first, we've got a pair of tickets to go see Morrissey. Viva Las Vegas is coming to the Coliseum at Caesars Palace on July 1st. And we've got tickets for you right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100. If you want to go see Morrissey at the Coliseum, be caller number 7 at 702-364-1100. Bischoff's Briefs. 47. Okay. Actually, 51. I don't know why I lied just then. Congratulations to William. He won tickets to go see Morrissey. We still have tickets to Incubus coming up in just a few minutes. But, uh, Jared, I hope you have press box transition ready to go. Some breaking news for you. This is from Fox 8 in Cleveland. Uh, There is a second grand jury in Texas that is hearing evidence about Deshaun Watson. Um, Basically, there was a grand jury that heard evidence about Deshaun Watson. They elected not to indict him, uh, which would get him out of criminal charges, but still a civil case. However, in a different county, a different grand jury is now hearing evidence. And I would assume if they do indict him, then there could be criminal charges brought against Deshaun Watson. So he is... uh, Definitely not cleared of the criminal part of this, even though that is what appeared to be the truth about two weeks ago when the first grand jury did not indict him. So we will see what a second grand jury does here for Deshaun Watson. Cleveland right now, how much money did we give him? Wait, what? Did he sign that contract? Who did we talk to? Oh, his lawyers? Yeah. They said everything was going to be fine. How could that? The heck could they have lied to us? So uh, there is your update on Deshaun Watson, who could still end up facing criminal charges. All right, Jared, here we go. Press box transition. Some UNLV basketball for you. Um, (laughs) It is the offseason, and the transfer portal is starting to fill up. I would make one note. Nobody from UNLV has entered the transfer portal yet, at least Ah, not that that we know of, not that's been reported. I would assume there will be some, because it's college basketball and guys transfer all the time. Like, just simply on playing time, a guy like Reese Brown, barely played last season right. like you kevin krueger played a lot of guys a lot of minutes last year reese brown was not one of them he was basically the only healthy guy that was stuck on the end of the bench for the entirety of the season other guys there were times where like justin webster didn't play a whole lot or just josh Baker. like other guys had times where they didn't play but reese brown pretty much didn't play the entire year so like a reese brown would make sense simply from a playing time standpoint obviously there's stuff that we don't ever hear about whether it's disagreements with coaches or something like that or somebody else could leave so i assume there'll be some transfers but so far haven't been any that we know of and i'd venture to guess there's less this year than in years before because a there's not a new coach which usually leads to a lot of transfers and b they they seem to the coaches and this roster seem to kind of like each other and think hey this went pretty well let's bring most of you guys back next year um so well, well and the out. other thing is sometimes they wait to see who's in the transfer portal and who comes right exactly and that could be an issue here as well so there are two names right now uh as far as transfer portals 
that UNLV has reportedly reached out to. The first one we'll talk about is a guy named Mike Saunders. Uh, he is he went to Cincinnati last year. He was actually in the transfer portal last season. UNLV met with Mike Saunders last offseason. He elected to go back to Cincinnati, so he did not transfer. He pulled his name out of the transfer portal, but now he's back in it. He came off the bench in every game for Cincinnati this year, averaged seven points off the bench, and shot 35% from three. Pretty good. He uh, was not a very good three-point shooter as a freshman, so got a lot better. Um, I would venture to guess UNLV is going to, have a shot at Mike Saunders again. I mean, they met with him last offseason, and if Mike Saunders liked a little bit of what Kevin Kruger had to say, then they'd have a legitimate shot to get Mike Saunders. Um, I would say this as well. My uh, Bart Torvik, the uh, points above average stat that they have, he Mike Saunders last year for Cincinnati was worth 1.3 points above the average player. That was actually fourth best on Cincinnati, and for reference to UNLV, David Mawaka and Jordan McCabe were 1.4 for UNLV this season. So that's the type of player you'd be getting as far as a points above average um, a, a level there. So you'd be getting a good, useful role player in Mike Saunders if he were to come to UNLV. The other name, and this one has a little bit more upside, a little bit more excitement, is Jalen Llewellyn. Uh, he would be coming from Princeton. He's in the transfer portal. Uh, Mike Kramala wrote about him. He UNLV's apparently got some interest in him, but so do a lot of schools. They're going to have to beat out a lot of schools to get a guy like Jalen Llewellyn because he scored 15 points per game last year at Princeton. He shot 40% from three. Uh, he also doesn't shoot mid-range jumpers, so I already like the kid without ever having seen him play. Uh, so if they were to get Jalen Llewellyn, they're going to have to beat out a lot of schools, but this is a guy that would come over and have an already proven track record as a scorer, which if Bryce Hamilton does not come back, which is the assumption, UNLV doesn't really have a proven scorer on the roster. They've got some from Donovan Williams, maybe, but that's about it. Jalen Llewellyn could be that guy. And to use the points above average stat again, he was a 3.0 last year for Princeton. The only player UNLV had last year above three was Bryce Hamilton, and he was at five. So getting this would be, that would be a significant transfer for UNLV to land. Now, the last part of Bischoff's briefs here, I do want to look at that points above average stat because if we look at UNLV and we try to figure out what Kevin Kruger needs to do to build an NCAA tournament roster, take last year, UNLV, Bryce Hamilton was a five. He was the best in this points above average. Donovan Williams was a 2.5. Good, but not at three or higher. Royce Ham was 1.8. David Mwaka, 1.4. Jordan McCabe, 1.4. Josh Baker, 1. Justin Webster, 0.9. Those were sort of the significant players. Mike Nuga was a big disappointment, only a 0.6 last year. Um, but those were sort of the significant players for UNLV last season. If we use Boise State as an example, Boise State did not have a single player that was as good as Hamilton in terms of points above average. Nobody was at five, not even really close. But Boise State had three players that were a three or better in terms of points above average. And again, go back to UNLV's roster. Donovan Williams at 2.5 is the best player that's returning if Bryce Hamilton does leave. So what that means is UNLV needs three players that are better than Donovan Williams was last season to be a Mountain West champion, to be an NCAA tournament 
level team. Now, Donovan Williams could be one of those guys. Donovan Williams could get better, and Donovan Williams could go from a 2.5 to a 3.2 or something like that and be one of those guys. So in reality, UNLV probably needs to find at least two guys in the transfer portal that are better than Donovan Williams. And to be safe, they need three. But at least two, I think, is the minimum for them to have a shot at being an NCAA tournament team. And then they need somebody like Donovan Williams to be even better next season, or even a, you know, Keyshawn Gilbert could be much better or something like that, but they need to find at least two and maybe three guys in the transfer portal that are better than Donovan Williams. And if they do that, we might be able to have a legitimate conversation about their NCAA tournament hopes next season. You've also said, I think they need someone better than Bryce Hamilton. Yes. Uh, Basically, Bryce Hamilton's been the best player on this team for three years. They haven't sniffed the NCAA tournament. They need somebody that's better than Bryce Hamilton, but not not better in terms of scoring because there aren't many people in college basketball that scored more than uh, Bryce Hamilton last year. They need a player that is better than Bryce Hamilton that, A, can score. That's a very important part, the most important part of the game. But, B, is able to help UNLV win in other areas because we've said it before, Bryce Hamilton – he didn't help UNLV a lot in other areas other than scoring, no. right? He wasn't he wasn't a great uh, distributor, right? He had some moments, but wasn't really great. Probably average in that regard. Was probably an average overall rebounder. Was a below average defender for his entire career. Like Bryce Hamilton scored a lot of points, and then he didn't turn the ball over. That's the other, I think, massive thing he did well is he just never turned the ball over. So they need somebody that can score. Doesn't have to be twenty three points a game, but they need somebody that can score but can also give you plus defense or plus rebounding or plus ball distribution, something else other than just the 23 points per game or whatever it is. And if they can find that, hell, if they can find two of that, they're they're legitimately going to the NCAA tournament next year. But that's really hard to do. We are talking about, you know, landing, you know, two of the best 20 players in the transfer portal or something like that, whatever that number works out to be. And that's really hard to do. The only other way to do it is to find sort of that diamond in the rough that could develop into that, but just hasn't gotten the playing time. But to you, you, we'll use Donovan Williams as an example. I think Donovan Williams was basically a home run for UNLV. They found they plucked a guy oh, off the bench in Texas who wasn't yeah. playing, and that guy was a very good yeah. Mountain West player. To expect them to pluck another guy who's not mm. playing off the bench of like a Texas again, and that guy be better than Bryce Hamilton. That's well, pretty unrealistic. It's possible, but that's pretty unrealistic. And you see, you see these, you see this list of Mike Saunders Jr. You know, BYU, Miami, UNLV, Utah, Wichita, Santa Clara, Iona, Nevada, Cal, Wyoming. He's already heard from all those. It's people don't realize it's tough to it's tough to get these yeah. kids. It's tough to beat yeah. these kids. You're dealing on an average with more with more teams to beat than you are when the kids coming out of high school. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, you, you got to beat three or four. Then the kid goes in a portal and he's good. Everyone's calling on him immediately. They're all they they're all they all have assistants sitting there refreshing the portal at every second of the day, and, and they're they calling kids. Mike Saunders isn't even like going to be a the best transfer. If if no. UNLV landed Mike Saunders and he was the best transfer, they like, got, right. I, I'll I'll sit here and tell you it's a failed offseason. Right. Like I'll be like they're not going to the NCAA tournament. They're not even coming close. So and Saunders has already heard from a bunch of schools that he could choose over UNLV, right. which is not a deal. All right, coming up next, Jr. Starkus joins the show. Ready for the weekend? Let's find out what's on tap. We can provide you with a wine tasting tour of Tuscany. We cannot change why you drink. It's Thirsty Thursday with J.R. Starkus. Who needs a drink? So we drink and we drink and we drink. 
Follow him on Twitter at J.R. Stark is K-Town Executive Extreme Mixologist, Southern Glades Wine Spirits, Nevada. He's here for What's on Tap on Thursdays. Is it strange I had a dream about your Twitter profile? <laughs> what? Uh, okay. Um, well, I guess I have to hear what this dream's about. Hey, on your Twitter on profile, it? you say you're a baseball dad? Yeah. And for some reason, I had a dream that you said, I'm a baseball dad. My son has, reti- my son has decided to retire from the game. <laughs> and I think it was oh, a man. mixture of I was I got your profile one day, and then that tennis girl who's number one in the world retired, and I kind of put them together in my weird subconscious, and I came yeah, up with okay. that. Is that weird? Yes. yes. Uh, yeah, what? Yeah, that's weird. Uh, that's weird. You okay. are dr- uh, dreaming about Jr. sending tweets? Yes. <laughs> I, well, I I didn't even send a tweet. He just dreamed I, about my profile. <laughs> I've literally the only dream I've ever had about Jr. was Jr. made a really delicious cocktail that I didn't realize. <laughs> oh, that wasn't real. Uh, I was gonna say that's not a dream, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Anywho, I, I just had to throw that in there. It was very, and then I thought, man, he's retiring and he's in high school. That's very strange. But then I woke up and I said, oh, that 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 was just a dream. And you know what the weird part is? I've got to be honest with you. The before you came, part. well, before so, you came on here, I went to your profile to see if it was real. Like I kept scrolling I, down, I, I said, "No, I, I can't find it. I can't find it. So it must be real." I mean, the ego on me. If I'm like, "Yeah, my son's retired from the game, and uh, you know he's only 16." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, shame on everybody who never got to see him play. But uh, you know, I did. But I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's you know, I, I've had a bunch of like odd dreams I, like that too that you put, kind of put two and two together yes. or something and you're like I don't you, and you, you almost feel compelled to reach out to maybe a person you haven't spoken to in a while you're like hey uh, I don't know if this is this is going to be weird but I just thought I'd reach out and say hello because I had this weird this weird dream about something you know uh, you were at my house in the pool or whatever and I, I've had every once in a while those my wife has weird dreams all the time too that you know when I listen to them like nothing adds up at least that dream albeit weird is it, it kind of like if you can you can piece it degree. together yeah yeah my wife my wife's dreams are like i don't know i was on a spaceship and there was wine and uh <laughs> it was sunny out and i'm like huh okay oh, i can't believe my really wife weird. and your wife have the same dreams <laughs> uh jr if i remember correctly you did not want the red Sox to sign carlos correa how do you feel about them signing trevor story oh i love trevor story um i don't have a problem i didn't have a problem with carlos correa um, you know, I, I think he would have been a good trade as well, but you know, you got Sander Bogarts out there. That's decent. Um, so I like Trevor story. I like Trevor story at second base. I think it's going to be a great addition to the lineup for them. Um, uh, certainly makes it exciting. And, you know, it's always, it's always fun when you, you know, the team that you, 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 you watch, um, you know, make some trades, um, and, and, you know, does something that you at least like, because I've been used to at least the Red Sox the last few years, just giving away pieces, uh, to teams in blue. But um, you know what? What are you going to do? Like Trevor Story, nice addition. I hope that they. I hope it's a nice competitive season for them. I, I like the fact that it's you know be, that as it sounds like because of this weird lockout thing that they had and deadlines that made no sense. Um, I, I, I like the fact that like everything is really condensed right now, so a lot of things are happening quickly. Um, so I, I kind of dig that because it's it's it seems more impactful. Um, because everything's happening relatively quick. They're in spring training, and the season starts in, like, you know, a week and a half, two weeks, and, uh, yeah, I, I dig it. Did you just tell me that you're, you're a fan of the Red Sox who went to the ALCS last year, and you just said you're hopeful they can have a competitive season? 
correct. That's Another your that's your, expect, yeah. that's your expectation to just be competitive. Yeah, of course. That's always my expectation to be competitive. You have you 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 keep your bar at a level that no. they can exceed. No. Yeah, of course. And if I said if if I said Red Sox World Series or bust, like you just you're just making yourself a. You know, you sleep, letting yourself out there for a disappointment. Yeah, there's so only one. The Dodger fans do. There's only one team Rob who can do that. There's only one team who has that motto. Come I think, on. Well, yeah. I think yeah. both well, Ed and I are in the same situation. Game. Yeah, I mean, Tyler's in that situation. He says World Series are bust if, for the Astros. Yeah, if the Astros don't win the World Series, it's a failed season. Oh, I mean, that's why you guys are living in a state of depression. That, uh, <laughs> you know, I can't that's why I'm having that. dreams about your kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy when the Cubs don't trade away their entire team. <laughs> you know, I, I'm excited. I mean, I, I've been listening to, like, it's sad, but I'm listening to, like, Red Sox spring training games on the radio while I'm in the car. Uh, so, oh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm ready, man. I mean, listen. When he's not listening to us is what he's saying. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, we're not out of well, the we're not out start time. a little bit later, so you guys are off yeah. the air. Yeah, as soon as we're off the air, the spring training games start coming. You can listen to them. That's, I will say that's kind of sad. I have not listened to a spring training game. I've put some on, like MLB Network, but I have not listened to one while driving in a car. Yeah, it's, it's just, you know, I, I, it's another level of, like, uh, sadness when you listen to a spring training game. And, you know, at least now, though, because it's, again, same thing, condensed. A lot of the starters are in. A lot of the pitchers are going. Uh, you know, it's not as... as, as, as um, uh, not as many no-name guys playing in the lineup, at least for the Red Sox, that uh, you know that that would typically happen in a regular spring training time, uh, because these guys have got to get ready and they got to get ready now. Yeah, I had a buddy text me that they oh three and two for the Dodgers. I'm like, yeah, come on, pump the brakes, pump, <laughs> pump the brakes. We're fine. It's, it's going to be okay. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. If your starter's okay. only going three, and he threw, you know, like they're like, oh, he threw. 37 pitches in three, and you're like, see ya. And, you know, you're like, ah, well, yeah. I get it. He had a good outing, rest him, and then jump, come back out in a few days, but it's not too serious. All right, JR, what are you making us today? So, uh, most recently, uh, we just had this, this event called the Tag Spirits Awards, which took place in Las Vegas. Tag, T A G, short for Tony Aberganim, who is um, a, a, a mentor of mine and a, a, a dear friend who he's created this. Spirits Awards competition um, that is was brought in some of the most uh, talented palates, if you can say that, uh, across the country um, to come in and taste brands blindly. And what that means is that uh, brands will enter these competitions, send their spirit in, they pay a fee, um, and they are tasted by professional judges who will judge uh, the spirit based on its integrity and so on and so forth. But they do it completely blind, which means they have no idea what they're drinking other than this is vodka or this is gin or this is whiskey or whatever the case is. They don't know brands. They know nothing. So they, they're just tasting it and basing it based on their palate. Um, it, you know, if, if you're at the liquor store and you're walking down the aisles and you see the wines that have these points on them or, or brands that have platinum or gold or silver or whatever, these events like the Tony Abogadam or the Tag Awards, that's where these brands get those, those labels. Um, and there's, they, they kind of hang their hat on them because it's, um, it's, a, it's a sign of the integrity of their brand and how well they're made. It's a hope that for the consumer that doesn't know the brand, that they can look at something different and say, well, you know, this, was, this is a great brand because it was tasted by professionals, and it, it, you know, it's, it hopefully has integrity. I don't know it, but I'll give it a shot because it's judged very highly by these people. So with that being said, one of the brands that most recently um, won Best in Show at the Tony Abog- uh, the Tag Awards 
is Alpine Gin, Alpine Summit Gin. It's out of Park City, Utah. I've actually used some of their brands before. Um, and I found it appropriate to use this brand today because it's made by a lady by the name of Sarah Sargent. Um, it's Women's History Month right now. Um, so uh, uh, having a gin that's so close to us, that's made by a woman in Women's History Month, I found it appropriate to make a cocktail with it that I called Salute to Sarah. Um, so I am going to be using an ounce and a half of Alpine Summit Gin, uh, which is a, like I said, it's a, it's a beautiful uh, gin that you can find in, at the liquor store. It's got, you know, like uh, the typical juniper and coriander and jellica root, cardamom, ginger, orange, and lemon, um, you know, all those classic flavors that a gin would have, uh, dry flavor pro- profile, but just beautifully, beautifully made. I'm going to use an ounce and a half of that. Her husband, Rob, makes a, a, a many of the other things at the distillery, but he also makes what's called Alpine Preserve Liqueur. Um, Alpine Preserve Liqueur is, uh, is it's got some sweetness to it. Think of it like a, a version of St. Germain, uh, but the the flavors of this are blood orange and black tea, raspberry, um, like ginger. Okay, those are those are the, the flavors of this. Both products are 100% gluten-free and organic and such. I'm using three quarters of an ounce of that. I'm going to use one ounce of fresh lemon juice and then a half of a tablespoon of like a high-quality raspberry jam, right? Something you can find at, at you know your your local grocer. Um, take all of those ingredients and shake them together with ice. And once you're done shaking, add a little bit of ginger ale or spiced orange ginger ale. I like the Fever Tree spiced orange ginger ale. Uh, strain all of the ingredients over fresh ice into a, a Collins or a tall glass of sort, something that holds about 14 ounces. Garnish it with a piece of candied ginger. And you have a, a beautiful cocktail that I, I made. It's, it's actually quite nice for this, this time of year. Gin is a great spring and summertime beverage. Um, the Salute to Sarah cocktail Something I found was a, a nice way to pay homage to her and the fine work that she's doing uh, making this gin. Sounds refreshing. You're telling me, you, you said her she makes the gin and, and her husband makes what now? They, they're just making alcohol together? That's their life? Yes. Yes, basically, yes. So, so it's funny because uh, Rob's got a, a really cool story himself, Rob, the husband. Um, he, he used to work uh, for Johnson & Johnson back in the day, and, and he used to work for the NFL back in the day. He's got all kinds of, uh, of fun jobs that he's done, and he decided that, um, you know, after his career, he wanted to retire and open a distillery because he thought it would be less work. Well, the joke's on him because it's certainly not less work, <laughs> um, but he said, well, while, while I'm at it, I might as well try to do something really great. Uh, so they make, they make a couple, several different whiskeys. They make a vodka. They make a gin. They make this Alpine Preserve Liqueur. They make another product called uh, Lafayette, which is a spiced whiskey with apricot and cinnamon. A lot of great stuff that they do up there, but all out of Park City, Utah. Um, the joke is fu- kind of funny because while Sarah does make the gin and Rob basically makes the rest of the things, uh, the, the Alpine Preserve Liqueur was kind of a, a challenge to Rob from Sarah um, when he, because he, he used to be in the, he used to do a lot with food and, and cooking and flavor profiles. Um, he always found it a challenge to like, you know, put flavors to, to different things. Well, one day at Sarah's in Rob's house in Park City, as the sun was setting, um, she took a picture of the sunset over this like meadow that's near their house. And she sent him the picture and she said, here's your next challenge. Make this into a flavor bleep hole. You know, and uh, and so he did that, and that's where uh, yeah, and, and so that's where Alpine Lafayette, or excuse me, um, Preserve Alpine Preserve, the flavor profile comes from. It's his uh, interpretation of the sunset in Park City, Utah. 
You had me at Park City View and Sunset. Uh, this will yeah, all be on Instagram at JR Makes Drinks. Absolutely. Shortly here, uh, I'll put it up. Follow him on Twitter, JR Starkus. There he is, our extreme mixologist from Southern Glazers Wine Spirits, Nevada. I'll try not to have any more dreams. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, JR. Care, Thanks, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, I had that weird dream. I had a dream about you. You sent a tweet saying your 16-year-old son retired from yes. baseball. Yeah, is that weird? <laughs> that was strange. It's very weird. All right. Here we go. Last giveaway of the day. We got a pair of tickets to go see Incubus. They are coming to the theater at Virgin Hotels Las Vegas tomorrow. 702-364-1100 is the phone number if you want to go see Incubus tomorrow. 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number five at 702-364-1100. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. What did you want? I just wanted Jared to shut up to stop his ranting on ESPN Las Vegas. Congratulations to Eli. He won tickets to go see Incubus tomorrow. More stuff to give away. I won't be here tomorrow. I'll be out tomorrow. Adam Candy and Ed Granian and a lot of tickets to give away. You can go see the Golden Knights, Incubus, Megadeth. We got Porta subs. We got a lot of stuff we're giving away tomorrow. So make sure you stay tuned. Um, by the way, Ed's gone, for those of you that uh, aren't aware. What, did he have to go to the Golden Knights practice? Yeah, someone's got to actually ask, uh, so are you guys mad? <laughs> I Okay, they have morning skate today. There's always, like, uh, Coach Pete DeBoer, there's availability with the coach and players after morning skate before a game. Surely Kelly McCrimmon has to talk today. I would assume Kelly McCrimmon has to talk today. You can't just let Pete DeBoer go up there and be like, yeah, they traded him, and then he's back. Like, what the hell's Pete DeBoer going to say? Pete, we're going to – we might fire you anyway, but uh, we need you to do us a solid and go up there and just be a human shield. <laughs> but then again, I we talked about it earlier. If if the reporting that's out there is what's actually happened, there's no reason the Golden Knights shouldn't have a press conference and be transparent about it because this appears to be primarily the Ottawa Senators' fault for telling the Golden Knights in the NHL that there wasn't a no-trade list. And that I would just throw them under the bus and be like, yeah, they lied to us. They told us the wrong information, and we operated off of that, and so did the NHL. So anyways, I have a tweet for you, Jared. Okay. This is from Greg Allman. Uh, he tweeted, we mentioned that new Buccaneers guard Shaq Mason, full name is Shaquille Olajuwon Mason, named after the two former NBA stars. Well, his new teammate, pass rusher Shaq Barrett, was born a year earlier and is Shaquille Akeem Barrett, <laughs> named after the same two players. So one guy is Shaquille Olajuwon and the other guy is Shaquille Akeem. Both of their parents were like, this Shaquille O'Neal guy, that's a great first name. This Akeem Olajuwon guy, that's a great middle name, child is named. So there are two guys on the same NFL team that have the first or have basically the same first and middle name named after the same two NBA players. Okay, but you also have to think like the dad sitting there going, I'm going to name him Shaquille because he's going to be a basketball player. <laughs> yeah, did they, and then they kind of grow up and he's like, they're getting kind of chunky. They both they both kind of failed, right? I mean, they're supposed to be basketball players, not NFL players. I mean, yeah, it'd be sort of just like I named my kid Montana. He grew up to be seven foot one. I I got it. You know, we got to go with what works here. All right. 
I am never going to have a kid. Yeah, that you know of. Um, I and here, like I'm never gonna have a kid, but like I love sports. I can't imagine naming my kid after an athlete, though. No, I mean, no, not at all. I'm even trying to think. Is there an a- athlete with a cool enough name? No, but like these aren't. I guess I guess Shaquille's a pretty cool name. I guess if we're if it's just a cool name, maybe. But yeah. like. I can't imagine being like, oh, that's my favorite athlete. I'm naming my child that. My child is going to remind me of an athlete that I have never met before in my life. Like, I like I could guess maybe doing it for like a pet, but for another human being, I'm going to name a kid after an athlete I've never met. That just, yeah. I can't imagine doing pet, that. Pet is one thing because I've had a pet named, uh, like, I've, well, actually, no, I've had a dog named Wrigley. So that's not even naming it after the athlete. And yeah, then, oh, no, wait, my current dog is named after Willie Wilson. What the hell am I talking about? <laughs> Who the hell is Willie Wilson? He's a former outfielder. Google him. For the major? Did he get to the major leagues? Is he like yes. a AAA outfielder? This guy's not real. I don't believe you. I just can't imagine naming that. Um, Would you like to explain to people why your first name is spelled wrong? I mean, not now that we're here and I have to count you down, but sure. Uh, I will real quickly. My grandfather on my mother's side's first name was Jerome. My father's name is Edward. You take the first part of Jerome, J-E-R. You take the first part of Edward, Jared, J-E-R-E-D. There you go. That's why Jared is spelled wrong. Also, your last name is Justice, and it is also spelled wrong as well. Well, that's because it was just just, and then they made us add the U.S. on the... The the main problem with uh, your name being spelled wrong, your first name being spelled wrong, is now people that spell Jared correctly look wrong to me. That it is they, they spell it jarred. Yeah, I mean, yeah, people that are jarred, it, it looks wrong. And now I just whenever I see Jared with an A, I think it's wrong. Uh, Willie Wilson is an American businessman and politician from Chicago who has run unsuccessfully for multiple elected offices. <laughs> <laughs>